Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. We're going to talk about opportunity today. Opportunity. God's always giving us opportunity. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to start right in verse 1. Now I want to set the stage here. Pastor Gwen's talked about this for the last little bit. It's been on my heart for this last month, uh, the last two um, men's groups that uh, we've had. I've talked about it, and I wanted to share what God's put on my heart with everybody. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. There's a change happening right now in the world. People, all of the restrictions in BC are pretty well gone, as far as I know. There's some in restaurants, and there's some things I, there, I'm sure there's some there still. Heather knows. <laughs> she is the keeper of all of the rules and regulations of that kind of stuff. Not that she's a rule and regulation person. She just has the patience to read it and explain it to the rest of us. Praise God. <laughs> um, but we're going through a change. There, we, for the last 15 months, that's how long this has been going on. For the last 15 months, we've been under uh, a state of emergency where we've had to be under health orders, where we have to wear masks and we have to keep away from people. We can't congregate. We can't do any of that kind of stuff that we have been very used to doing here at this church. But now, things are opening up. Notice we have all of the chairs out, and this looks so wonderful. Praise God. It's so great to have you all here, and we can talk with each other. We can in, um, interact with each other, and it's a wonderful thing. But there are people who are freaking out. There are people who are concerned about this. Um, Heather actually was um, at a place, and there was one person talking in that place that said that, you know, when the restrictions come on, she was going to put on two masks and walk around with two masks because she didn't know because there might be other people out there that, that aren't um, behaving themselves or whatever she was thinking. But she was really concerned about not having masks anymore. There are people that are going to be fine with it. There are people that, I'm thinking, why do I have a wind at my back besides the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> there are people that are really concerned about this change, and they're fearful. But we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to show God to them. We don't know how people are going to respond to us or react to us. Right now, you go into some stores like uh, 
Save on Foods has already put up signs. Masks are not required. We suggest that you use them, but they're not required. But other places you go into, like Walmart, they still expect you to be wearing masks. There's still fear out there. There's still, there's still uh, concern out there. When we are interacting with people, we don't know how they're going to respond to us. We're excited, right? We're excited that we're going to be out there and we don't have the masks and we don't have to stay six and a half feet apart or whatever it is and, and all of those different restrictions. We're going to be able to congregate and, and be in the same place and have a great time and worship God. And, and, but there are people out there that are not happy about this. And we're going to come across them in our daily lives. We're going to come across them in our church lives. In every aspect of our life, we are going to come across them. We have an opportunity to show them God. Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> today is about being prepared for those opportunities. We are prepared. We may not realize it, but we're already prepared because everything that we need is already on the inside of us. He's already prepared us. Hallelujah. All right. So let's start in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Hallelujah. Verse 1. I want to set the stage for the actual scriptures that, that we're going to focus on. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified. It says, Now I myself, Paul, beseech you. Beseech you mean, beseech means to come. I always wondered what that word meant. Because we don't really use it anymore. It means to come close, actually. It, he's saying, Now I myself, Paul, I want you to come close by the gentleness and consideration of Christ himself. I, who am lowly enough, so they say, he's talking about the Corinthians here, when among you face to face, but bold, fearless, and outspoken to you when I am absent from you. I entreat you when I do come to you that I may not be driven to such boldness as I intend to show toward those few who suspect us of acting according to the flesh on the low level of worldly motives and as if invested with only human powers. <clears throat> Paul's having to deal with some people here that are not happy with him, to put it in a nutshell. Basically what they're saying is that, you know what, you're just a weakling and you don't really have any substance when you're here with us, but you get all bold in your letters when you send these letters to us. Because, right, this is the second letter to the Corinthians. So they've already had one letter. And they're saying, and he's, I guess, words gotten back to him that, you know what, they're saying that, you know, when you were here with us, you were just, you were uh, really, you were kind of weak in your ways and stuff like that. But you, you get bold in your letters and you kind of get all haughty in your letters and whatever else, right? And, and, you have all this boldness to say these things to us, but you don't when you're with us. And so they're berating him. They're, they're upset with him. I want you to focus on, remember that. 
as we go through this, okay? Then it says in verse 3, this is Paul speaking, for though we walk or live in the flesh, so what does that mean? We're, there, there's two fleshes. So we actually, without our physical body here, we wouldn't be here. Yep, yeah, I'm out of here. Absence from this body, presence with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. The minute this body decides to stop, you're present with the Lord. Right? Amen. That's an awesome thing. Praise God. But without this body, I can't walk around. I can't stand up here and preach. I can't worship God. Well, I can worship God, but I can't do the, all the actions to worship God. <laughs> um, So that's the flesh that he's talking about, his actual physical body here. He's not talking about your carnal nature or the flesh that the, that the Bible talks about that we have to crucify daily. Okay? So he's, he's talking about that. So though I walk, we walk or live in the flesh, we are not carrying out our warfare again, according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. I'm just going to read the whole up to verse 5 here. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and the theories and the reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah and the anointed, the Messiah, the anointed one. Notice in verse 3 to 5 that he doesn't talk about the people. He's acknowledged that they're having a little issue with him, but then as he goes to deal with it, he doesn't talk about what he's going to do to them or say to them. He talks about how he's going to deal with it. He talks that he's going to deal with it spiritually. He's not going to use weapons of this world, of the flesh and of, the, of blood, to deal with it, to deal with them. He's going to deal with them spiritually. Proverbs 1821, you don't have to turn there, but write this down because I want you to go and look it up afterwards. Proverbs 1821 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And it also says you eat the fruit thereof based on what you're going to do. So we have an opportunity with our tongue. Are we in those moments when we're experiencing someone who is upset with us? because of the choices that we've made, not to wear masks or not to get a vaccine or whatever the case may be, and they, they're having a problem with that, we have an opportunity with our tongue to bring life to that situation or to bring death to that situation. So if we react to them from our flesh and forget about the spiritual 
weapons that we have, that's not going to go well. <laughs> Just kind of plain and simply, that's not going to go well. We're going to say things that we're going to regret. We're going to say things that we're going to regret. But we have the opportunity to say things that will bring life to that situation. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Praise God, that is awesome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, verse 5 of this. This is the verse that kind of describes what's going on in our head in those situations. Let me read it again. <laughs> Inasmuch as we refute arguments and the theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself against the true knowledge of God. Let's stop there. I touched base about this on, in men's group specifically. You're probably going to have thoughts in your head that you want to say in those situations. Now, we have a choice at that moment with those thoughts that are going through our head in that moment. We can let them come out our mouth. <laughs> not a good idea. That is right. Not a good idea. Or we can do what this says. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So if you're having those thoughts that you want to give this, this person what for and tell them what, they, what you think of their opinion of you or the fact that you are doing this, that, or the other thing, that, that's, that's the, the thing that's exalting itself against the knowledge of God, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> that's what is exalting, trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Because the knowledge of God is not going to take you down that path that, to speak death. The knowledge of God is going to take you down that path to speak life into that situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's on the inside of us. Amen. Hallelujah. And let me, let me say this. What you, just because you're having that thought doesn't necessarily make it sin. It's what you do with that thought. If you follow this verse, verse 5, you cast down that imagination and you don't let it exalt itself above the knowledge of God, you're fine because it's not going to come out your mouth. You may be thinking it, but you put it down, you cast it down, and it's not going to show itself. It's not going to show itself because you're casting down that imagination, that thought, that process in your head. You're casting it down. You're saying, no, I hear the Lord and I follow the Lord. Right. Amen? Yeah, I, I hear the Lord and I follow the Lord. Yes. Devil, get out of my head. Yes. <laughs> There's a story that Kenneth Copeland tells. Um, was it Kenneth Copeland? Uh, anyway, it's one of his children's children. Okay, so... I think it was, um, what's his son's name? John, thank you, John. It was John's daughter. So John and his wife are in, in the car, and their daughter and son are in the back, or uh, her cousin or something like that are in the back seat. 
and they're driving along, and all of a sudden, their daughter, daughter's like, shut up, devil, shut up, devil, shut up, devil. And they're like, what is going on back there? And she's like, shut up, devil, shut up, devil. And so the mom asks, uh, honey, uh, is everything okay? She goes, oh, yeah, it's fine. Well, well, why are you saying, telling the devil to shut up? She, I guess the cousin or whoever it was was in her space. <laughs> and she says, the devil was telling me to break so-and-so's leg. <laughs> so <laughs> That's an excellent example. <laughs> no, don't hurt your friends. Oh, what to do. Don't be afraid to tell the devil to shut up and get out of your head. <laughs> Amen? Because that's all he's, he's just trying to put thoughts in your head of how to deal with that situation because he wants that death to happen in that situation. There's, <laughs> in my own life, there's been times, <laughs> there's been times in, um, where I've been just, Driving down the road with, um, usually it's Bethany or Abigail, I'd, sometimes Heather. And we'd, we're, we're quiet in the car and we're just driving, we're getting somewhere and stuff like that. And then, I don't know, I'm praying or I'm doing something and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'll start shaking my head and I'll say, and it'll come out of my mouth, no! <laughs> I think it was Bethany, wasn't it? Yeah, she looks over me, she goes, are you okay, daddy? I said, yes. It was the thought that the devil was trying to put in my, he was speaking, trying to put in my mind about my old self, that I'm, you know, I can't even remember what the scenario was. And, and I just, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not that person anymore. That's what we need to be doing. We have that authority. Here I said, it's an authority that we have. We have that authority in Jesus Christ to cast down those thoughts, yeah. those imaginations, yeah. those things that want to put themselves higher than the Word of God in our hearts, in our lives. Those things that want to put their voice higher than the Holy Spirit speaking to us through our spirit man in our lives. Amen? Amen. We don't want to be doing that. Hallelujah. 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 Jump back to verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. They're mighty. They're strong. They're powerful. They're not of this world. They're, they have nothing to do with this world. What we have as weapons of our warfare when we're in these situations to be able to bring truth to the situation and not react to the situation, but respond to the situation. Write this down. We don't have to go there. We'll write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the beginning of that scripture says, For the love of God 
constrains us. The love of God constrains us. Uh, Kenneth Hagin has a three-part series on love that I've been listening to for a couple of months now. And he talks about a number of situations that he's been in in his life where he was not being treated nicely. He was, he was at some church, and he was preaching there for the entire week. And they were staying in the, what they call the parsonage, which is basically a house for the pastor that's attached or on the same property as the church. Uh, a lot of those um, are, they have those down south in the United States. And um, yeah. Um, and so they were, him and his wife were staying in this parsonage with the pastors of the church. And so the, they preached Sunday night and, and um, they, uh, they didn't, they just brought them home after the service on Sunday night. And they're like, okay, well, you know, they'll, they'll get us breakfast in the morning. And so um, they woke up to the pastor and his wife leaving in the morning. And they, so they got up because they were up a bit late. So they, st- they slept a bit later. So they get up and there's nothing in the fridge for them to eat. There's no notes. There's nothing. And they're like, oh, okay, no problem. Well, we'll uh, they'll be back to, to feed us lunch. They, they never showed up for lunch. And uh, they didn't show up for dinner either. They came back and picked them up and took them to the service that night to, for him to preach. And then they didn't, they just brought them home afterwards. And the same thing happened the next day. Exactly the same thing. There was no skip the dishes. That's right. <laughs> there was no skip the dishes. And so um, Kenneth Hagen had it on. He knew the district supervisor of, of that church's organization. He knew him personally. So he, and he had his personal phone number. So he was on his, he was going to go and call this district supervisor, and say, do you know what this pastor's doing to us? He hasn't fed us in two days, two and a half days or whatever it was. And so he's going up there, and he has the phone in his hand, and his wife's waiting downstairs in the kitchen or something like that, and he comes back, and she goes, so what happened? He says, you know what? No, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't for me to uh, to call them. You know, um, the, he, and he explained it, that the love of God constrained him. He said, I'm not going to be part of this person's demise. I'm going to show this person's love, but I'm not going to be part of their demise. I'm not going to put another nail in their coffin. They're not doing right here. There's no question about that, but I'm not going to be part of their demise in this situation. And and it ended up, actually, that the Lord spoke to a lady that was in the church a couple of doors down, and she talked to them and somehow and said, um, I just felt like I was supposed to make food for you guys. And literally, she lived a couple of doors down from the parsonage. And so they, had the, they would go and get the food from her and bring it back to the house and ended up eating and stuff like that. So the Lord always takes care of us. When we let the love of God constrain us in a situation, he will take care of us. He will take care of us. Amen. Hallelujah. So on that note, one of the first, we're going to talk about the weapons now that we have. Oh, hallelujah. This is fun. Hallelujah. So the first one we're going to talk about is the love of God. So let's turn to 1 thir- Corinthians chapter 13. 
too far. Six, nine, 13. And we're going to start in verse 4 of chapter 13. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified because really the King James doesn't do it any justice whatsoever. <laughs> Not that the King James is bad, but that the Amplified just really paints a picture of the love of God that's on the inside of us. It's a powerful thing. The love of God is a powerful, powerful force. It is a weapon. It is probably the most powerful weapon that we have against this world. Nothing can stand against the love of God. The devil couldn't. And so if the devil couldn't, the world, the people of this world definitely can't. It is powerful. It is strong. It diffuses situations in an instant. Amen? Verse 4, love endures long and is patient and kind. We'll just start right there. <laughs> love endures long and is patient and is kind. It endures long. It has patience. It isn't going to try and push something to make it happen. God doesn't drive us. Amen. There isn't like a drive to get something done. God leads us. A shepherd leads his sheep. He doesn't drive a sheep. You don't you drive cattle. You don't drive sheep. Right? We, they have lit, literally I don't, I know it sounds funny, but think think about this picture. When when um, we watch uh, Reed Drummond, the Pioneer Woman, the cooking show, and they have this, her, that family, that Drummond family is in the top 10 landowners of all of the United States. They have like 433,000 acres of land between the dad and the two sons. And they're cattle, they're cattlemen, they're, they're ranchers. And so when they're dealing with the cow, all the cows, all the cattle, they're on their horses and they're always behind them, driving them. The cows don't hear their voice, don't know their voice. They only know a horse beside them and a little prod to move them, to drive them. Mm, praise God. A shepherd, the sheep know the shepherd's voice, their whistle. Everything like that. And when they whistle and when they make their motions or they make their noise, they're out front. They're out front leading the sheep out to the pasture where they need to go. Yes, they have sheep gods, not gods, sheep dogs. <laughs> they have sheep dogs to keep the sheep into the, the herd. But the, the dogs aren't driving them. The shepherd is leading them. The shepherd is leading us. The shepherd leads us. We are his sheep and we hear his voice. So we can endure long because we know that he has an answer. He has the answer. 
He is the answer. So we can endure long. We can have that patience. The patience is on the inside of us already. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit that grows and develops on the inside of us. It's in there. We just have to allow ourselves to tap into it, yield to it. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Yes, I can do this. There we go. So we're still in verse 4. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious, and it does not display itself haughtily. There's some big words in there. It isn't envious. It doesn't want, it's like, oh, look what they've got. Look what they've got. I want that. I'm envious of them. I want what they've got. Selah. (laughs) (laughs) And it never boils over with jealousy. I've heard some pastors and preachers say that, um, actually it was Catherine Coleman Coleman I was listening to the other day. Um, The devil was jealous of God. And that's why he rebelled against him. Because he wanted what God wanted. But if we have the love of God in us, we don't have to walk in that jealousy. We don't have to walk in wanting something somebody else has. We have everything that we need. Amen? Amen. Verse 5. It is not conceited, which means arrogant and inflated with pride. You don't talk about yourself. You glorify God. And you glorify God and what he's doing in in your life. Amen? Amen? It is not rude or unmannerly. And it does not act unbecomingly. So when we're in these situations, if we're walking in the love of God, which is the, I, I guess this is probably my opinion, the most powerful weapon that we have, we're not going to be rude and we're not going to act unbecomingly to the person that we're dealing with or interacting with at that moment. So if we're, if we're, if we're not doing that, if we're um, not acting unbecomingly, We're going to be acting in love towards them. We're going to be bringing life to this situation. We're going to be able to diffuse the situation. Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. This next part is really um, important. Verse 5, we're halfway through. In the Amplified, it says love, and then it very specifically says here, God's love in us. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way. This is something that really spoke to me um, when I first started reading. I've been reading through um, this, this, these scriptures for a while now. And this really spoke to me. According to God's love on the inside of us, we have no right to insist on our rights. <laughs> we, 
we have no right to insist on our own rights. And you're thinking to yourself, well, how am I going to be taken care of? I have, you know, I have rights in this situation. How am I going to be taken care of? Well, that's what Matthew 6 is all about. <laughs> Matthew 6 talks about, you know, if I feed the birds of the air and I take care of them, how much more am I going to take care of you? If I take care of the lilies of the field that are dressed more radiantly than Solomon ever was, how much more am I going to clothe you? Don't worry about your needs. Seek the verse 33, I think it is. Seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness. Notice that the root of righteousness is right. Seek my righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. You don't have to be concerned about your needs. You don't have to be concerned about your rights in the situation that you're in. Whether it's at work, whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're at the dentist. You don't have to be concerned about your rights. Because God's love is going to take care of your rights. He's going to take care of it. He's going to deal with that so that <laughs> if you try and take care of your rights, you'll probably get your rights kind of here, halfway. If God takes care of your rights and deals with them, Ephesians 3.20 says that he's the God of abundance. He's going to take care of your rights up here exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ask or imagine. According to his power, will he take care of those rights? So we need to take a step back and ask ourselves, how am I dealing with these situations? Am I looking to get my rights dealt with? Or am I looking to see that God's love is administered here? Another Selah moment. Pause and think about that. Mm -hmm. For it is not self-seeking. God's love in us is not self-seeking. We don't have to seek for ourselves. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Again, that comes back to, look what they've got. Why don't I have that? Again, you're looking at, well, I have a right to have that, don't I? I have a right to have it. But if you're walking in God's love, it is not touchy or fretful or resentful. And then this next part. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It doesn't acknowledge how the person that you're in this situation, remember we're talking about people going through the change of not having to wear masks and interacting and kind of integrating back into society and interacting with people. When you're walking in love, 
they may be freaking out on you and treating you not nicely, but it says here, if you're walking in that love, it takes no account of the evil done to it. I was actually in a situation a couple of days ago where someone was not happy that I haven't had my shot yet, the immunization shot. They were not happy, and they were trying to tell me that I was wrong in that situation. And praise God, I have the love of God on the inside of me. Because I didn't respond, I, I didn't acknowledge the evil that was being done to me, and I was able to function according to God, be led by him in that situation, diffuse it, and have a normal conversation. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 6. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Now often in this verse, we often think about other people. But let's think about ourselves. Let's let the right and truth prevail in us. And when we see that injustice and unrighteousness are prevailing in us, let's take a moment to correct that and allow God to correct that in our lives so that we can be in these situations to be that love of God in our actions, in, our, in the way we speak towards the person and what we say to the person. Notice I said two things there when we're speaking. You don't just speak because you can speak and say very different things with the same word. I could say, hello. So like, yeah, okay, you're here, I acknowledge it. Or I could say, hello, how you doing? See, there's two very different, I just communicated two very different things there. Right? The way we speak and what we say the words that actually come out of our mouth. They may be the right words, but if they have the wrong heart behind them, you might as well have been saying the wrong words. Right? Selah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So let's be looking at ourselves, and are we walking in that injustice and unrighteousness, but are we going to change and allow ourselves to rejoice in the righteousness that's on the inside of us. Amen? That we walk in that just way. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 7. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It bears up. It is strong in any situation that we find ourselves in. At home, at our workplace, in the grocery store, at the dentist, at the doctor, walking down the side of the road, in our backyard, in our community, on our cul-de-sac, on our walk at the beach, anywhere that we are. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It doesn't matter what you're facing what you're experiencing, whether it's from a family member, somebody you don't know, a, a worker, a work colleague, anybody, it doesn't matter. 
love, the love that's on the inside of us, bears up under anything and everything that comes. There is nothing left out here. There is no situation that is an exemption from this. <laughs> that does not pertain to this. this. This encompasses everything that we are ever going to experience in our entire lives. It is, I'm going to move on here, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Now this is, in our flesh, a difficult thing to do. When you see the ugly coming out of a person, that doesn't mean you don't have to, where I put my finger in the wrong place, you don't have to believe the best of every person. When you're seeing the ugly come at you, that doesn't exempt you from not seeing the best in that person. Think about Gideon. He had no, he had no good opinion of himself or his family or his tribe. Yet, when God sent the angel to speak to him, he spoke, that angel spoke to him how God saw him. O mighty man of valor. That's how he spoke to Gideon. And Gideon rose up to that eventually, after a few fleeces and a few other things. He finally said, okay, Lord, I believe you. My wife has an amazing ability to do this. Doesn't matter what's going on in front of her, how the person's responding to her, reacting, flipping out, whatever. She has an amazing ability to speak to the person how God sees them. We all have that ability. That's, that's in us because the love of God is in us. And this is part of the love of God. We have the ability to speak to that best person that God sees in that person, no matter how they're responding to you. Born again or not born again. Because God went to the cross for every single person on this planet. We have the ability to speak to that best person. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Love's hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. The love of God doesn't weaken. It doesn't, you don't have to charge it up like a battery. It doesn't change. It's always the same. It will always be the same. It always was the same. It always is the same. And it always will be the same. It is a strong power that we have on the inside of us that we can allow to come out. Oh, hallelujah. Without weakening. Let me read that again. Its hopes are fadeless. Hopes, confident expectation. 
the confident expectation that we should have in the love of God is that it is never fadeless under any circumstance. It is always right there to help us in those circumstances. It is never changing. It is always the same. It is always right beside us to help us. Actually, not right beside us. It's always in us to help us. On the inside of us to help us. Mm, hallelujah. And then finally, this is my favorite one. Love never fails. It never fails. And then it, the Amplified says, it never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Let me read that again because that is so important. That really describes never failing. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. The love of God on the inside of us is always the same. It will never fade out. It will never become obsolete. Obsolete is, in business, you can buy a machine that's the state-of-the-art of the machine in 1995, and it helps you do your manufacturing a whole lot better. And then 10 years down the road, there's new technology that comes out that supersedes that machine you got in 1995. So in 2005, you see that this technology is even better and can, and can help you manufacture at twice the speed, at twice the capacity, and all this kind of stuff. That new technology makes that old machine obsolete. It's of no value. It, it has no worth in it anymore to you. It's basically scrap metal at that point. And that's what you would sell it for, is scrap metal, because nobody else is going to want it. They're going to want the new technology. The love of God is always the new technology. <laughs> it never is the obsolete technology. It is always the newest technology. Hallelujah. And because of that, it never comes to an end. It never stops. It never wanes. It never decreases. It is always powerful and strong to diffuse a situation. Gloria Copeland, I've heard her say this a couple of times. If you're in an argument and you don't argue, there's no argument. <laughs> the other person can be trying to get you to get enter into that argument, but if you don't take that bait and you stand there and you act in love, you don't have an argument. You have a conversation. That's what it becomes. A conversation as opposed to strife, right? Strife brings what? Confusion and every evil work. That's not good. Amen. Just in case you're wondering. We don't want to be confused in those situations because when we're confused, then we can't hear the word of God for that situation. And it's going to bring every evil work, right? Because you're now exalting that thought in your head above what God wants you to say. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Shalane, you want to come on up? I have a whole lot more here, but apparently God wanted to speak about his love this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. This love that I've been talking about, it's not something you have to conjure up. It's not something you have to work on in your own abilities, in your own power. It's something that's on the inside of you. It's a power that is on the inside of you. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's on the inside. The moment you gave your life to Christ, the fullness of what we've just gone through in these four verses is on the inside of you. Nothing lacking. There's no lack in it. There's no lack in God. We have the fullness of this love to take to every situation, to talk to people that are concerned about them not pe people not having to wear masks anymore. People that are concerned that not 100% of all of BC adults have had their first shot yet. People who are concerned that maybe it's going to rise its, raise its head again and we're going to have back, the numbers are going to go back up or whatever. Whatever their concern is, we have an opportunity to speak in the weapons of spiritual warfare, in the love of God into the situation, to diffuse it, to bring truth to it, to bring a calm, a peace. Jesus said that my peace I give to you, not as this world gives, I give you my peace. The world gives peace kind of like one of those kids' toys. It's the, the little racket thing with the ball on the elastic band and you sit there and you have to try and hit it back and forth and it goes up and up, and up back and forth and back and forth that's that's the piece that this world gives there gives us it's there one moment and it's gone again and it's there one moment and it's gone again and there's there one moment and it's gone again and you have to keep it keep it going you have to expend a whole lot of energy to keep it going so that you have have it there all the time and you're just getting oh my goodness tired of trying to walk in this peace in your own ability. <laughs> God gave us his peace and this world cannot take it away. <laughs> Amen? So let's seize every opportunity. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize those moments for God. Seize those moments to yield to that love and that peace that's on the inside of you and allow it to come out. Diffuse that situation so that argument turns into a conversation. It's in us. It's in every single one of us to be able to do this. You don't you have to say yes. Yes, Lord, I yield to that love that's on the inside of me right now. 
So we're going to take communion in a few minutes here. Communion is a covenant act where we remember the covenant that Jesus bought for us on the cross. In a covenant, in a true covenant, two parties come together where they complement each other. The one party has a strength that the other party doesn't that has a weakness in that area. And then vice versa. This party here has a strength that the other party doesn't have and they come together to become a stronger unit. Now usually each of the parties have to bring something to that covenant and in the Old Testament there was a cutting to remember the, the covenant and there was a whole bunch of stuff that you had to do God in his love sent Jesus to be our representative for the covenant that he wanted for us He was the one that took the cut on our behalf. He was the one that went to the cross on our behalf to solidify that covenant so that we can walk in the benefits of it because he was qualified to do it. We weren't. And when he went to that cross and he bought that covenant, he paid for that covenant for us to walk in That was God showing us his love so that he could put that love on the inside of us. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.